Hi, my name's Martin Anton Smith, a creative showcasing his wares and ideas. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Baby Wants His Bottle Ink, available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. In this episode, I read three poems. The first one was called is called The Mind Crime War of One. That was read uh, at a Dunedin Poetry Night in 2019, before the pandemic, which uh, when I read it, there will be references which kind of sound as if they are referencing the times after the pandemic. So it was, I believe, at least partially prophetic, dare I say if I could be so bold to say that. And um, the second one will be called Adventures at Doctor's Point in Summer. And uh, the third one will be called Dirty Dancing. Uh, Now, of course, before I reach each poem, um, there will be a... some analysis sometimes other times there'll only be a little bit of analysis uh i'll do some analysis on each one in this case and um i'll start off with the first poem which is called the mind crime war of one and uh this does come with fair bit of anal- uh, analysis and um, also uh, a good good introduction, etc. So I'll stop rambling and I'll just start. Uh, and here we go. <clears throat> this is part one. Note from 2021. This blog post and poem was written in late 2019, a little before the COVID crisis, as I've already mentioned. And alas, we are well into the new crisis as I speak here now. That was actually on the 5th of March, 2021. Uh, I'm reading the transcript from the blog post page, martinantonsmithart.wordpress.com. That was published on the 5th of March, 2021. But as I've already said, the poem was written in 2019. Uh, and I think mid-2019, so getting back to everything. When I wrote this original piece 18 months ago, the world was well into troubling financial and difficult social times. I've argued often since 1980 that Western society has thrown out many healthy babies, such as full employment, along with the old bathwater, such as narrow-mindedness. Thatcher and Reagan, uh, the American and the UK president and prime minister, uh, and also their cohort of other prime ministers and leaders around the world, which included in New Zealand uh, David Longy, uh, Roger Douglas, Jim Bolger, Ruth Richardson, back in the day, back in those days. They pushed the ideology of market forces 
and individualism and efficiency. These catchphrases put in action were supposed to make everyone wealthier and healthier. Jobs were shipped, structural unemployment became a thing, and speculators and big corporations were given structural competitive advantage, you might say. But the big boys uh, never had so much power and influence and profit in, uh, in all the halls of power. Uh, these politicians were very powerful, uh, and uh, they were, you know, perhaps uh, history has judged they were on the wrong side of pandering to the big corporations and big industry players. Um, yes, uh, and uh, there has to be the question as to whether a lot of what was done was strictly legal, or was it things that were priorly illegal, were they made legal in uh, slight swifts of hands, uh, in swift slights of hands, I should say. I think that I think that has been the case. Uh, a lot of things that were happening and have been happening since those times uh, should really be illegal. For example, we see so much collusion and cartels, golden handshakes from people that destroy their own companies. It's ridiculous, really, and it's been a feature of the 1980s forward. 41 years on from that doctrine, we have seen huge declines in wealth and health of the great majority of the middle and working classes, while the very few have had income explosions. We have seen corporations wantonly create massive pollution, harming the ecology, and at the least moderately affecting global weather patterns. This is not conjecture, but is economic and historical fact. The data is very strong, especially on the economics. Uh, of course, the climate change is pretty obvious, but the dotting the I's and crossing the T's, there's a lot that has not been resolved, that's for sure. But the trend seems to be, obviously, adverse uh, weather patterns and major major events are more, more uh, happen, happening more frequently. Anyway, uh, the next part of this uh, blog, part two, is the report of the poem uh, that I... Uh, read in 2019 in Dunedin, and the last part is where I read the poem itself, The Mind Crime War of One. It's about the psychological warfare that is on show, unbeknown to so many, and that has pervaded the West, in particular since the World War I era to the present. It's a commentary on how our life and our times are merely the flowers that were once roots, that were once seeds and seedlings, History is a river and everything is some kind of outgrowth or less commonly death and regeneration. I should say more commonly there. In part four, we will talk again uh, from the 5th of March 2021 and talk whether my thoughts have changed or reversed since writing the poem. So I hope you're enjoying... Uh, so far, this is a, a very detailed um, reading. This one because it uh, it um, it deals with such lofty and um, interesting social topics. So, um, those of you who want a light poem, this is not for you. And uh, you may want to check in later when I read the shorter poems. 
uh, and they will be occurring in roughly seven to ten minutes. Anyway, part two begins. Yesterday I went to the dog uh, with Two Tails Cafe in Dunedin. And when I say yesterday, obviously that was not yesterday, it was 18 months ago. So I went to the Dog with Two Tails Cafe in Dunedin in Moray Place for its weekly open mic poetry night. I read one poem called The Mind Crime War of One. This was a shortened version from the original, which was overly long, I guess. A bit like, a bit like this podcast, maybe. Anyway, which I will rewrite and read aloud soon. But first, a little report on the night. This was the second time I had read a poem at this venue and the first since two years ago in 2017. That time, I read a quasi-poem of whimsy, which basically outlined my nerd poem called The Two Leonards. This was a quandary in the style of wandering aloud and a stream of consciousness. About who was cooler? Was it Stanford University's famed physicist, Leonard Susskind, dubbed the bad boy of physics for his alpha male persona, or was it B, Leonard Nimoy, the late actor who played the logical to a fault half-man, half-Vulcan alien character known as Spock in the original sci-fi series Star Trek? Anyway, this time around, I got serious and presented a poem that talked of an important issue, the fact we are continual objects of propaganda by the state and their ever-present bosses, the entrenched powerful uber-elites, who are the real puppet masters of our so-called democracy and modern capitalism. The main thrust of the poem is that we have been blinded by the slow-moving nature of society, its slow-moving power structures, and the system of subterfuge that has been made an ever-pervading and perfected quasi-dictatorship since 1919. 1919 were the years of Bretton Woods money printing, uh, and the diluting of the value of money and the leaving of the gold standard and running deficits to fund wars, World War I. The falsity of general elections was always being a two-horse race that was really a one-horse race. I float the thesis that World War I, World War II and World War III, which is a continuing undeclared war for your mind, based on the production of fear, so you will always be grateful for the crumbs that fall off the table of those that really matter. The elites that have a very stable existence based on this highly perfected system since 1919. As I have said in my draft unfinished essays, the expert methods of the 1920s to 1950s dictators have simply been expanded and perfected in modern times, much like that of the history of technology. The effect is that we have largely, apart from a few pockets of illumination, become the frog on the skillet that fails to jump out because it fails to register the change of temperature owing to a piecemeal and incremental increasing of the gas temperature by the cook. And so the frog burns alive and fails to save its life, it has become tricked into being helpless like we are in 2019. Of course, it's now 2021. Remember, this was written in 2019, this, this poem 
and analysis was also written then. We still believe in the system of madness that subjugates at least 50% of us. The World Economic Forum has released this information in 2019, tracking an ever-increasing inequality of wealth, transferring from the bottom upwards. So much so that 99.3% of the world's wealth is in the hands of the top 50%, and the top 1% owns 48% of the world's wealth. You can actually see the link on uh, one of my sites as well, which is called martinantonsmith.wordpress.com. They are draft essays, those ones, uh, different from my poetry site. So you can check that out, martinantonsmith.wordpress.com. They are long-form essays, and uh, one of them includes an essay about the World Economic Forum and uh, its um, inequality statistics, or it mentions that anyway. So check that out if you like. Um, anyway, so this rising inequality uh, that is getting worse and worse is essentially a Ponzi scheme system. Those on the bottom are forever raided by those towards the top. And you must always add another layer of those to the bottom to keep the whole charade continuing. Uh, that's what a Ponzi scheme is, you know. Um, this is why central banks must always continue to print fiat money and create debt. Um, <clears throat> now there's an update from uh, only a few uh, months ago on this blog that I wrote and I added... Uh, I must, of course, say that it is not all doom and gloom. We have many chances to right wrongs, and we can be wiser and more community-minded without giving up on capitalism and hard work. This, in a nutshell, is the answer to our modern Western woes. So really, I'm saying that um, we can uh, go in the right direction, and there's always going to be positive choices to choose if we have the strength to choose them. Um, and I think it's very important when pointing out uh, the woes of the world that we actively offer solutions rather than criticize. If we're just criticizing, only half the job is done. The easier half is done, and the harder half is to come up with a, a watertight solution to uh, improve dramatically the uh, situation and uh, cut the cancer out, as it were. Anyway, the poetry night in Moray Place, Dunedin, New Zealand, that night was a very busy one. The cafe, the dog with two tails on Moray Place, had opened up a second room, which was great to see and a testament to the great art scene in Dunedin. There was a good mix of young and older poets, some seasoned and others like me at the time, and probably still now, relatively new to the scene of reading and writing poetry. Interesting, the first follow-up did some stand-up comedy instead. And in John Lennon's style, he compared himself to Jesus, which took the rather stressed middle-aged MC by surprise. It did raise some chortles, though, including myself. I had along with me a new friend who was a philosopher uh, and a poetry writer as well, an amateur one, I guess, uh, like almost everyone, especially in New Zealand. Although on that occasion they did not read, they just watched uh, the show. Uh, anyway, uh, but um, it's, I've put another edit in here from 2021, 
And I've said here that my friend faded away after meeting a new girlfriend in Christchurch. Yes, that often happens, doesn't it? Uh, with friends, they meet someone and suddenly they fall off the edge of the world. And that's pretty annoying, isn't it? Because when they get dumped, they come crying back. And that's you're well within your rights to say, well, you totally forgot about me over the last few months or years. So why should I now suddenly be here for you as a friend? You know, that's well, you'd be totally entitled to that. Perhaps they might learn not to drop their friends off so easily. You know, I don't think that's a good strategy for life, is it? You know, that's, uh, yeah, it's not a good idea. Anyway, let's get back to where we were. I was a little uh, nervous that night, but um, having to read the poem, but not so much in the in the end, and my delivery was quite good. I had a strong, steady camber, which suited the poem well. <clears throat> I got a reasonable clap at the end, and a couple of interesting befuddled hymns. Uh, all, all, all said, it was fun, and part of the journey of being better and talking in front of crowds, sharing my ideas. <clears throat> such as uh, starting this podcast, <coughs> excuse me, which I uh, I used to avoid a lot because uh, as uh, many people know, especially uh, down under, New Zealand, Australia, speaking in front of people is, uh, you know, something very difficult. There's a natural shyness uh, with New Zealanders especially and Australians, which um, it's very hard to uh, overcome. But um, it is definitely worth trying to do that. And I think reading poetry, by the way, is a very good way to do that because uh, basically uh, the poem can be short. You're not up in front of people for very long. It's over before you know it. And um, with poetry, people's expectations is usually quite low. So you don't really need to worry about being bad. And, you know, if it is bad, perhaps they just didn't get where you're coming from anyway. So poetry is a great way to get over shyness. Yes, it is. Anyway. So afterwards, when me and my friend went to the pub and talked philosophy, did a post-mortem of the night. Uh, so that was good. That was a good time, looking back on it now in 2021. So now coming up to part three, this is where I read the poem. And um, this is uh, what we're going to do now. We are, we are going to write the uh, read the poem, The Mind Crime War of One. Uh, now note, I could have done better with the title. Um, I should have written something clever like The 100-Year-Old Boiled Frog Chronicles. But uh, anyway, we stick with the original title, The Mind Crime War of One which is more suitable, really, because the 100-year-old Boiled Frog Chronicles sounds like it's a Dr. Seuss story, really, and I'm trying to make a serious point here in this poem. Let's begin. The Mind Crime War of One by Martin Anton Smith, written in 2019 and spoken in 2021 on the poetry podcast called The Baby Wants Its Bottle Ink. The Mind Crime War of One. 1984 was not the year it started, but the year of a decisive battle. 
won by the enemy, when globalization was sold as the answer, to further your fears, to make you weak. The year it began was 1919. The seed was sown of our people's decline. The absurd idea now is demanded tomorrow. You just need the seed to sow the seed in time. In the people's minds, engage the fear, reward the hate, divide and conquer, slip through the door while the people fight. A stitch in time seeded the decline. The continuous war for your energy against your mind is fought in the mind. Thoughts are weapons. They are not like them. You are not like them. You're not allowed in. But they want your energy. They want your body. They want your mind. By a leash in chains. Fear is the answer. Fear is the tool you are told you can't do. You are told you are useless to make you grateful for the crumbs that fall from the table. Fight back. Write and speak of these truths. There's a war for your mind. It's been going since 1919. The ashes of World War I seeded World War II. Created expert propaganda to control the mind. Controls the crowd, controls the country, controls the world, controls the past, controls the present, controls the future. World War One, World War Two, World War Three, they are all one war. They are phase changes. World War Three, the undeclared war, the war for your mind, the war no one realized they were living in. The woke few saw this. They were maligned as conspiracy theorists and declared crackpots. This is the end of the poem. Thank you. So uh, now I will get to part four. Part four um, was really an update um, on my thoughts of the poem in 2021. And I wrote this update uh, not that long ago. Uh, so I will be reading that and I'll add some things in as I go to further update you how I feel. So uh, my thoughts about the World War Three is upon us have not really changed. Uh, the war we are in is, like my poem says, a mind war. The proof is that the war, that in a war, there's always a point where the loser is seen to emerge. And of course, the other side is the victorious one, which also emerges as well. It's a bifurcation, you could say. Anyway, uh, this state of affairs where the the loser and the winner emerged um, happened in 1943. It was Germany then, and now it is the general population of the earth. In 2019, I was more of the thought that the neoliberal political elite and billionaires were the victors, but in 2021, I think their victory has begun to be vanquished by Mother Nature itself. COVID-19 is simply a sign that the most destructive intelligent force we know is fighting back, the Earth itself. I think, of course, the of the misfiring system of neoliberalism will continue its mind wars and propaganda. Just know that, indeed, World War IV has begun. World War IV is a true alien invasion. It is the cosmic intelligence rearing its physical manif manifestation manifestation to squish and squash a particularly annoying bug greedy humans of course the neoliberal puppet masters know this and the propaganda will flow to ensure the public don't 
awake from their slumber. Their job will be to muster all that has been learnt in persuasion tactics since 1919 and then add some. They've had a good in the smoke and mirror game of disempowerment of 99% of the Earth's inhabitants. They've won a temporary victory, but regardless of the chicanery and ruthlessness, there are two facts that are undeniable that will always make any deception-based rule over the few unstable. One, the masses must ultimately believe that their lives are improving as the belief that you can forever muzzle and chain a population is a false theory. As the 20th century taught us, Hitler, Mussolini, Hirohito and Stalin did not win. 2. When the total mismanagement of the resources of the earth becomes greater than a critical point, the much higher non-human intelligences, those natural or maybe even supernatural, simply decide that the silliness of those backward corrupted few, few billion apes must end. I'll, I feel soon as this plays out, that we will realize how right the ancient mythology was, the ancient scriptures were all along. Truth will finally show, and like the dictum says, it will be stranger than fictum, fiction, namely that uh, one we have been subjected to since World War One, indeed. Yes, so, um, yeah, I think Mother Nature is fighting back the pandemic is one way that nature fights back. Uh, we have really gone so f- far with technology and on one hand, but on the other hand, all the, uh, all the things that come along with it have um, created so much more trouble than what the technology has uh, given us. You know, that's a big problem, a massive problem. And um, we can ignore it, but, Mother Nature does not ignore it, and this is, and this is one of the ways that I guess that it comes back to balance. Um, it's a humbling experience this pandemic, uh, because, but it's also one of enlightenment because we must have higher regard for the more intelligent uh, being amongst us, which is the Earth itself, and that's not being flaky. It's a reality. Um, the earth, humans are born from the earth. Therefore, the earth must be uh, many powers uh, more intelligent as a system than humans are. That's just a logical fact. Um, the process which creates is always going to be more complicated uh, and higher order than um, what it what it makes, just in the same way when someone makes a chair, a table, or a video game, um, the creator is is many orders of magnitude more complex than the thing that was created. Anyway, that is the end of that poem and analysis. Now we go on to more light-hearted poems, two of them. This one is called Adventures at Doctor's Point in Summer, and it's quite self-explanatory. I'll just basically read it. Um, It's just, uh, it covers my little adventures out exercising in nature, basically. So let's start. Swimming at Doctor's Point. 
feeling melancholy as I tend to do, and so feeling feeble about life's daily demands, I decide if I'm not working, then I should be healthy at the very least. So given I live in central Otago where the schist rock formations exist untouched and magnanimous, I was wise to jimmy on my trustworthy mountain bike and follow the Roxper trails. I was soon hurtling down the track, soon marvelling at the asteroid-like debris field surrounding me. Those giant megaliths sitting proud on the slopes tell a story of destruction many eons ago. They sit frozen in time, a real photograph, hologram, call it what you will. In my mind's eye, I recreate the movie of the toppling of these great schist cities. I rewind the bulbers the boulders back up the slopes so they reassemble back into ex-Cretaceous-era skyscrapers. I feel better already in this debris rock existence. I could do this all day every day. I ditch the bike and go fossicking up the hills, amateur paleontology style, spade in hand. I find a silt bed in a mini cave. I scrape into the smooth, perfectly formed silt sand. Lo and behold, a claw emerges then the body, then the legs, and soon ahead. I have found a giant rat going by the teeth. I had thought it was a bat at first. It must have died at least 5,000 years ago, maybe 15,000, and still lying as he died crouching. Then later a chamois jumps off near me, startled like a wild cat to a stranger. Next day back again, digging in under the big rocks again for new fossils, when a possum suddenly bolts from the dark. The back dark hidden corner. What a fright that was. I was lucky he didn't jump on my face and scratch the hell out of me. No more fossils pop up and the rocks aren't as plentiful in this new area further down the trail. So tired and it's a smart choice to jump in the neighboring Clutha River once my nerve's up. Splash down, my overheated 42-year-old body welcomes the coolant and freshness. As I sit like a skittle in the water, I swear I can feel something nibble my feet. It's too dark to tell. The water seems to be flowing the wrong way. A surface effect from the channeling wind up the gorge. Clinging now to the jetty, an eel friend swims up to me. Yep, I was right about the nibbled toe. As I look at the gold rush excavations, I try to think of the bustles and hardships faced in all those years ago. So why can't I face life tra- life's travails with the same steadfastness? Modern life has ruined me. Is it intellectualism? Well, it's time to jump on my trusty two-wheeled, well-geared, modern stead, and return feeling fine. What an amazing, beautiful time I had in those two days in February 21 under the blue sky at Doctor's Point. Now the last poem I'm reading is called Dirty Dancing. It's a fun piece and uh, it's just inspired by me walking by a construction site where someone was digging a lot of dirt. Let me begin. Dastardly dopey Dr. Dirt, Dave Drudge, definitely dreads digging dirt daily. Days dragged, drudgery didn't disappear. Dave dumbly didn't drain deadly dunes. Dunes did deluge Dr. Dirt, 
Dave Drudge. Dirty Dave definitely dodged death dramatically. Doctor's due diagnosis, deadly diarrhea, diphtheria. Don't do Dr. Dirt Dave's drain dispatch designs. Dreadfully dumb, distinguished, dirty deeds. Done dirt, dance daily, Dave decided. And declared. Decades did dwindle distantly. Dave Drudge, Dr. Dance, died desperately delighted. Disco dancing definitely drubs digging dirt. That's just a fun poem. And if you could spot the mistake where I said a word that didn't start with D, then you're very, very smart. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Baby Wants Its Bottle Poetry Inc. podcast. Available on Spotify and all, almost all other platforms. I'll see you next time. This is Martin Anton Smith saying goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time.